Hello and welcome to the Orchid Story Podcast for women who've experienced a big event in their lives that divided it into the before and after. I'm Rachel Nussbaum and I'm here to help you find meaning and healing through personal narrative now that your life looks different than the one you expected. I'm sharing stories from real life. The details may be different from your story, but the connection is universal. Head to orchidstory.com to get access to my free on-demand video training, a self-coaching session, so that you can start finding yourself, happiness, and purpose again. Now, on to the show. Hi, friends, and welcome back. We are continuing the discussion about trauma this week. We are reviewing why our response to a traumatic event matters. Two people could have a very similar experience. They might be present at the same event, like a car accident, for example. And one of those people might develop post-traumatic stress disorder, whereas the other person might be back to their typical baseline a couple of days later. So I want us to be thinking about how we have, how you have responded to the traumatic event that brings you to the podcast today. And I will give you some suggestions for ways that you can journal about this and start thinking about the responses that you've had because acknowledging where you are is a really important piece of uh, finding the path to healing. So thanks for joining me today. Last week, we talked about how do you know if you've been through a traumatic experience. So if you want to check out last week's episode, episode 35, go ahead and do that. But you don't need to do it before we talk today about the response to trauma. And I think we hear a lot about trauma. We see the word thrown around a lot. And in Again, I think my perception of that is it's a good thing because we're talking more about mental health, I hope, and I think. And I really feel like the narrative gets to be yours and you get to decide whether you've had a traumatic experience or not. And it's relevant because it affects, again, your response to that event affects your well-being. And that's why I'm here talking about it because I want us to get clear about where we are in our response to the event. And then in the next couple of weeks, we'll talk about moving forward. So I want to start with what are the symptoms of PTSD because, which is post-traumatic stress disorder. I think it's a spectrum when we think about the response to trauma And on one end of the spectrum is a significant reaction and diagnosis of PTSD. On the other way, other end of the spectrum is no real effect. Like you you went through the thing and uh, your body came back to baseline, your mind came back and you're functioning normally. And so between those two things lies a whole sea of response and Like so much of what we talk about, it's not just PTSD or not, right? It's not simply black or white. 
there's a lot of gray here and you don't need to have this diagnosis of PTSD to have real, real effects of stress, the stress response to the event in your life. And I want to add that to the conversation. Um, and I hope that's what I'm doing here. Hopefully you're taking away that message that you don't have to have a diagnosis of PTSD to experience a real effects of trauma. And also, I think the diagnosis is probably a lot more common than we might realize because as we talked about last week, so many people have adverse childhood experiences of abuse and neglect and beyond that really um, impact their overall well-being. Okay, so let's walk through these three main symptoms of PTSD and I want you to think about whether you've experienced any of these in your own response to the event that's happened in your own life. So the first thing, um, and these are what a lot of psychiatric professionals use to diagnose PTSD. The first symptom is intrusions. So intrusions can be flashbacks or nightmares that are linked to the experience you had. And the thing about intrusions is that they make they make you feel like the event is happening right now in present time. And I feel like that's a key piece of uh, PTSD that I'm learning about is that when people with this condition experience a trigger, which we'll talk more about later, we'll talk more about triggers later, um, but when they experience something that kind of sets off their alarm system in their body. It makes them feel like they're experiencing the event right now. So think about that and whether that, does that relate to your experience? So number one, intrusions, which are flashbacks or nightmares. Number two, avoidance. So avoiding things, people, feelings, that might remind you of the experience that you had. And number three, hyperarousal. So the body is on high alert all the time. And that can look like trouble sleeping, hypervigilance, irritability, or being startled real easily. So, you know, I'm not here to diagnose anyone. I'm not here for medical advice. I also think that so many of us can relate to these three things, intrusions, avoidance, and hyperarousal. So just think about for you and maybe, you know, take out your journal and ask yourself if you've experienced those, um, those symptoms. Okay, so... If we move on from talking about a diagnosis of PTSD, I want to go back to that scale that I mentioned because I want you to really think about where your response to the event in your life fits on this scale. So I think it's very common for people to have some experience with those um, three symptoms I just mentioned and still not have a diagnosis of PTSD. We oftentimes conflate trauma with PTSD, but we can have 
a lot of traumatic experiences in our lives and not develop uh, the condition. And again, still have an impact of the event on us. So I, I think of response to trauma as a spectrum. And again, on, on one end of the spectrum is no residual effect from the traumatic experience. And on the other end is PTSD. So think of this as a one to 10 scale. And I'd like you to consider that big thing you went through and what was the impact of it on you? Where would you, and again, this is just for you, just to start thinking about where things stand and your uh, your overall well-being in relation to that big thing that you experienced. So where would you put yourself on that scale of 1 to 10? Okay, so moving on from there, I want to share some ways that people might respond to trauma that are maybe not fully into those other symptoms we described, but what are some nuanced ways of responding uh, that are pretty common? I think you will find that you've probably experienced a couple of these. And these are just some that I um, have experienced myself and have heard from the clients that I work with. And just a couple here. So you might respond by having images of the event flash into your mind at unexpected times. This is certainly something I've experienced. And I think maybe a distinction between having this happen and PTSD is that when it's happened to me, it doesn't necessarily feel like it's happening in the present time. Like I'm not going through the event right then. It's, um, it's more, it feels like the, the past rather than feels like the present. So that's something for you to think about and consider as you are going through this, um, this list with me. Disrupted sleep is another one, which I know is huge for people. I mean, we have so much trouble with sleep just in general. And I think trying to get to the bottom of why we're having trouble with sleep, there's a whole host of reasons why. Maybe we haven't thought about that our body is carrying these old stories and getting in the way of our rest. But this is one for sure that I have experienced and still do. Okay, the next one is avoiding places that remind you of what happened. And again, one that I can relate to for sure, the the example that stands out the most to me for my own experience of this is that whenever I have to go to Boston Children's Hospital, (laughs) I have major trouble um, actually approaching the building. After I get in, I'm pretty okay, but anticipating going there and then, you know, the morning of like getting ready to go and if we're parking, like all of that brings me a lot of feelings that are hard to handle. I would rather not go there, even though that's the place that saved my son's life. And I know so many amazing people work inside that building and dedicate their lives to children. I try to tell myself that stuff when I'm feeling like totally 
freaked out about going inside the building. Um, but that's just a really kind of low-hanging fruit example for me of places that I have avoided because it reminds me of a traumatic experience that I've been through. And, you know, actually just thinking about this right now, my son has not been back to Boston since his surgery, his open heart surgery two years ago. And I wonder for him what that's going to be like when he goes back. So I'm sure you'll be hearing about that in the future. The next one in terms of ways that some people might respond to trauma is getting startled more easily. And I feel like some people are prone to being startled just generally, like that's just a thing about some people. But when your, um, your nervous system, and we're going to talk more about the nervous system next week, is on, is sort of like tuned to trouble maybe trouble is not the right word, tuned to or attuned to big things happening and like your body experiencing a lot of emotion, it's really easily to get startled. And then it kind of just throws you off and it sometimes can be hard to weave back into whatever it was you were doing, which may have just been like checking your email or something super mindless. Um, so that's one getting startled more easily. And then the next one is heart racing when you encounter a certain scent. So think about this one. Is there something that when you smell that scent just gets your body going in a certain way for a certain reason? And the last one is have an old favorite of mine, ruminating. This is what I mean when I talk about thoughts on repeat in your head, like a record player going round and round on the same thoughts. And this today we're talking about this in relation to the traumatic event. So whatever it is, is it a conversation? Is it you um, inside a a house with someone and like playing the actual story in your head, like playing it out like a movie. Or again, it could be conversations. It could be emails that you were just like reading to yourself in your head over and over about something that happened. So all ruminating thoughts about what happened, playing on repeat in your brain. Okay, so I'm going to walk through those examples that some the ways that some people might respond to trauma again as just a list right here and try if you would like to do this exercise I want you to try and think of an example of each of these for you in relation to the big thing that you went through okay so the first one again images of the event flash into your mind at unexpected times number two your sleep is disrupted Number three, you avoid places that remind you of what happened. Number four, get startled more easily. Number five, heart races when you encounter a certain scent. And number six, ruminating. Thoughts about what happened play on repeat. So remember, 
that these responses do not mean that you have PTSD, but again, I think it's probably more common than we might think, but it could mean that you have residual effects of the big thing that you've been through. And that matters because that impacts your health, your mental health, your physical health. And next week, we're going to talk about that. We're going to go into how having residual effects of trauma impact your health. Okay. And to end, I want to give you an example of, um, I know I just gave you one. I'm going to give you another example of how I have responded, um, to a traumatic experience, um, in my own life. So, this is all about my phone and my relationship to my cell phone. During the last couple of years of my mom's life, as the rare neurological disease that she had was progressing, my sister and I were responsible for every single piece and parcel of her life. And at some point, we made the decision, my sister and I, that everything everything that was difficult we would do together and i don't even know if we ever actually like talked about that it was just this is really hard shit and we need the support of each other to get through this or i'm not sure we're going to make it and so when something happened with my mom we would both show up so what what are some things that would happen? Well, there were a lot of, not a lot, several falls where she fell, which if you've had a parent or a grandparent um, age <laughs> towards the end of their lives, falling is just common, which is so sad. And I think with dementia, falling is even more common. There were ambulances, there were hospitalizations, you know, scary stuff that often happened in the middle of the night. But, you know, having my sister there did make it less scary and felt like I could do it. So that that was our sort of status quo, which meant that I had to have my phone next to me 24-7, literally. And as a person who before the last couple of years, I, I really <laughs> preferred not to be attached to my phone. I was never a person that had their phone in their hand and was staring at their phone all the time. I, I think I am now, and it's a lot of it is related to feeling like I had to have my phone within an arm's reach every single moment of the day. And to not do that, it really felt like an abandonment of my mom. And that is something that I will be working through for a long time because obviously boundaries, I'm sure you're thinking that as I'm speaking here. And yes, that that is something I battled for the last several years is where where do those boundaries exist? But that's not what I'm talking about right now. So um <laughs> After I had a couple of those middle of the night traumatic phone calls where it was a a real emergency, where there was a fall or a hospitalization, 
I started to experience my phone as a trigger. And when I say trigger, I mean that when this thing occurred, like when my phone rang or even started happening with text, any ping or noise my phone made, I, my body would go into high alert. And so that meant when my phone rang, my heart started beating faster. When I got a text, I could literally feel anxiety rising like from my chest all the way up through my throat. And my body was sort of preparing itself for danger, which is what our bodies are doing when that happens. And it could have been like my husband saying, do you need anything else from the store? Or it could have been a girlfriend saying, just checking in. Could have been my daughter texting me a photo of she and her friends. You know, it could have been something incredibly harmless. But I experienced this response nearly every single time my phone rang or I was texted. And I don't, to my knowledge, have a diagnosis of PTSD following my experience with caregiving, but there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that I have significant residual effects. And if you asked me like a year ago um, where my response was on that one to 10 scale that we talked about today, it would be really close to like maybe a seven or eight. And that's one of the things that I've been working on since my mom passed away is how do I reset my nervous system? And it's not healthy for my phone to be a trigger. I think I've gotten away from that a lot over the last six months and so grateful for just being able to have time. And uh, again, I think it's a lot about resetting our nervous system. So when you have something big, it doesn't just go away. When you, when you go through something big, the effect of it just doesn't just kind of subside after it's over. It can with some people. And I think there's lots of reasons why um, it doesn't for other people. And I haven't gotten into that too much here today, but I think some of those reasons might be your genetic makeup, your prior experiences that you've had, the kind of support that you have had in your family, in your community. And I think a big one that's been on my mind and I know has been on your mind likely too is uh, for communities of color or black communities who continue to be faced with brutality like every day that that is a huge source of trauma and one I don't think we talk about often I've been thinking about that a lot lately and so remember that you get to be the one that decides what is traumatic to you and our stories can stick with us And our bodies can really be clues to help us understand the impact of the event. And I'm so passionate about helping women heal from their stories because 
I know that within you, there is tremendous potential for healing and acknowledging acknowledging the impact is like a big step forward. So if this is resonating with you today, I will continue to preach the idea of self-connection. That's what we're doing here. If you try these exercises of rating your response to trauma and trying to tease out which of these um, example responses you've experienced in your own life, we're connecting you're connecting with yourself, really trying to do a self-exploration and self-discovery to get curious about where you stand, where your mind and body stands in response to the big thing you've been through. And I I know that small acts of self self-care or self-connection, which is my preferred term, can help us unlock these stories that we're carrying with us. So if you want me to help you come up with a short five-minute practice to implement self-connection regularly in your own life so you can start uncovering some of this information that your body is holding and your mind is holding about you, I'd love to do that. And if you go to orchidstory.com and click book a call, we can do a free 30-minute coaching session together and try to get you a practice that feels really good. And again, it feels really, it's gentle and it allows you to approach this with curiosity. So we'll leave it there. Thanks for being here. We have more in this series on trauma to come. And I hope you'll stick around for that. Bye. I want to ask you, who in your life needs to hear this story today? Go ahead and share it with them. And if you love this show, leave me a rating and a review on iTunes. Head over to orchidstory.com if you want more from Orchid Story. And remember, your story is your strength.